Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Hey, folks, you're listening to the Whitfield Report audio podcast for Monday, June 25th, 2018. I am your host, Sam Whitfield. folks. So uh, apologies to those of you who wanted to tune in to the uh, live show Saturday evening on YouTube. Uh, for those of you who, not, who are not aware, my uh, streaming software was refusing to uh, update. And uh, so I've, I was trying to troubleshoot that on Saturday night. Uh, I got caught up doing some stuff on Sunday, and to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't really feel like uh, doing all that much in terms of, uh, you know, streaming this morning. So I may, uh, you know, I may go ahead and do a live stream later today. But for those who are listening to the audio podcast, I'm very glad you're here because what I want to talk to you about is something I've noticed. It's a not really a trend, but just kind of a general stereotype that I've noticed among uh, baby boomers where they tend to overly trash uh, millennials, and um, they make general stereotypes and general observations. Uh, one that always gets me is, oh, those damn millennials, they're always on their smartphones, blah, 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 
they don't know how to communicate with the world or actually talk to people. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big gripe of mine because, uh, you know, I think for some millennials, maybe that is true. Maybe they lack, uh, social, you know, conventions. Maybe they don't know how to socialize that well. And uh, I certainly think that technology can be a hindrance in terms of that. But I also think that that stereotype that millennials rely on their phones too much for communications. Um, you know, I think that's just, I think that's mainly a stereotype that is played up in the media um, about millennials that we're too reliant on our phones. Now, don't get me wrong. As with anything, you know, technology, food, whatever, there are people who are who abuse it. I think that there are millennials, like I said, who, you know, don't know how to use technology effectively, you know, and who maybe do waste too much time on their smartphones. But the ironic thing about, you know, social media is it allows us to connect with people not just in our immediate area, but all over the world, pretty much. I mean, I have friends that I've made, you know, all over the country, and in some cases, even all across the world, because I started a podcast because I started the Whitfield Report. And, uh, you know, a lot of these listeners are just acquaintances, but some of them have become close friends over the years, such as uh, Matt Dallas and, uh, you know, Stephen Perkins and Joshua Johnson and Gabe uh, Yacoboni and Adam Hill. I mean, we all started American Watchmen, and yet we live in completely different parts of the country, each of us. And it's true that we did connect via social media, but we actually communicate with each other. You know, we, we, we talk on Skype and we do talk to each other um, and have actual conversations. Not just about the blog and not just about politics, but, you know, we converse as friends and as colleagues. And so that is an example of social media and technology, uh, you know, working to our our advantage. And many millennials are that way. We're using the technology around us most of the time. You know, for business opportunities, to network with each other, to, uh, you know, find careers and find new jobs and, uh, you know, become entrepreneurs. That's another great thing about social media and the Internet and things like YouTube and podcasting. You can become entrepreneurial in this uh, venture, and that's always good as well. So to those out there who would say that millennials have no social skills 
whatsoever because of smartphones or because of social media, I think that's a bit of a cop-out. I really do. And like I said, in certain cases, you know, that does exist, that millennials, you know, can't communicate. But I think, you know, I think for the most part, millennials actually have more ways to communicate and more ways to articulate, you know, with each other and uh, express themselves than previous generations did. The the other thing about this whole notion of smartphones and social media uh, being addictive and whatnot, I certainly think that, you know, can be the case. I don't think it's that smartphones and technology is addictive inherently, as some people have tried implying. I think it's more of a case that the technology works so well, and it's so easy to use, it's, it's, it's super convenient. And, uh... You know, I, I I think in terms of addiction, I mean, really, that can be the case for anything. I mean, there are people who are addicted to television and excess. There are people who are who are addicted to, uh, you know, sports or you know, gambling or alcohol, and you know, some negative connotations, drugs. Um, really, anything in excess can be you know, an an addiction, and, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a generational thing either. I don't, I don't think millennials are too overly dependent on technology, for the most part. Some of them are, I think, but a lot of us know how to use it effectively, and so it doesn't bother us. You know, the other thing is, these, uh, you know, a lot of these baby boomers who say that, oh, well, well, back in my day, you know, technology wouldn't have, you know, stopped us from, you know, going outside or, you know, having fun in other means or uh, whatnot. And again, that that's cop-out because the technology that we have now did not exist 40 years ago. And I think that if technology like a smartphone did exist in the 1960s or the 1970s, well, then it might be just a little bit different, you know, for all intents and purposes. You can't say that you wouldn't have been addicted to smartphones uh, because they simply weren't around back then. So... How can you say you wouldn't have been addicted to something that didn't even exist 40 years ago? You know, on the flip side of saying that millennials are, you know, too dependent on their smartphones, I've seen, you know, baby boomers who are too reliant on their smartphones, you know, maybe even more so than some millennials. So I I don't think it's so much a case of generational... um, you know, influence. I think it's more of a case of the the individual. I certainly think that's that's the case. Now, another 
millennial stereotype that really uh, gets me going is this whole notion that millennials are the most self-absorbed generation and that we're all narcissistic. Again, totally not true, but this one is a little more nuanced. When you guys who who accuse millennials of being self-centered and narcissistic, when you say that, Consider who you guys are citing as examples, right? When you guys cite millennials as being narcissistic, because I've asked uh, baby boomers and older folks who say this, well, you know, what is the evidence you guys are using to make this claim, you know? And and they they always say you know something like oh the Kardashians or oh the the Catch Me Outside girl from Doctor Phil okay and those examples both of them th- th- those are like two of the most common examples of lazy entitled you know feck- feckless millennials. Um, that people use to kind of paint the entire generation of millennials with a broad brush. Now, I say to those people who say that, well, you know, consider the following. Consider the fact that the Kardashians are paid reality uh, television stars, and a lot of these reality TV shows are scripted. So, you know, th- this whole entitled thing, a lot of it is, is an act for, uh, you know, the, the Kardashians in, in particular. They make money off of the whole stereotypical millennial entitlement. Same with the uh, Jersey Shore gang, too. You know, Jersey Shore was also a a program that millennial, you know, that baby boomers and older generations used to love to cite as an example. Oh, look at how horrible, you know, millennials are. But, I mean, those kids were getting paid to act like that. That was part of the setup. You know, and in terms of uh, Catch Me Outside Girl, well, you know, I've I've talked about the, I talked about the whole Catch Me Outside Girl phenomenon when it happened initially, uh, you know, last year or a year and a half ago. To me, that's a really sad tale of a girl who obviously has mental health issues who obviously had some parental issues at home. Her dad was around. Um, Mom, despite saying that, you know, she was trying to control her daughter and set boundaries. uh, uh, Yeah, when you parade your daughter in front of uh, Dr. Phil, 
you know, and turn your daughter into to a national news story like that, you know, and are starting to take, uh, you know, calls from agents and, you know, other types of management groups. I have my suspicions that the child is the only one responsible. So, you know, there's the other case of millennials who do need help and who do need guidance. But because of the, uh, you know, the media and the stereotype that Hollywood loves to put out, out about us, you know, they glamorize kind of the messed up uh, interpretation of millennials. It's uh, very harmful to us. I don't like it. I don't, I don't only think it's harming us. I think it's harming, you know, future generations as well for these stereotypes to exist. As I was saying, I think, uh, you know, millennials get treated unfairly in the media as well. You know, the whole situation with the catch me outside girl thing. She shouldn't have been paraded on Dr. Phil like that. It's it's obvious to me that she shouldn't have been paraded out there like that. And yet she was. It was, uh, you know, it was a sad and, you know, thing that ha- happened to her. And I, you know, I mean, I I think that Dr. Phil is, is a good guy. I'd like to think he is, um, you know, but I think... That's another case of, of, you know, of a PR nightmare, um, you know, gone gone awry. It was clear that that girl needed help, and instead her life has become, you know, a big-time celebrity, you know, PR stunt. And so, you know, that's not doing anything good um, for my generation or for future generations. As I said. So. You know. Those are kind of. Kind of the negative. Stereotypes that I see a lot. You know that. A we're too addicted to our phones. And you know B we're. We're entitled. And whatnot. And uh. You know I, I think. There is a real underground culture that's starting to emerge, that you're starting to see with, uh, you know, individuals like myself and, you know, like my colleagues, American Watchmen, and with uh, Roaming Millennial and with Milo at Yiannopoulos and, you know, other kind of counterculture millennials who are, you know, actually putting out good content there and proving that we're not all, you know, feckless lazy idiots. Um, I think that millennials in general are, uh, you know, for the most part, are hardworking individuals. You know, the the good ones are at least. And, uh, you know, when we set our minds to things, we can accomplish great things indeed. And I think that, I think that's true for anyone. Not just for millennials, but for anyone. 
And, uh, you know, you're starting to see this whole counterculture against social justice and the whole thing with, um, you know, millennial entitlement uh, that's been invading my generation for the past uh, 30 years or so. Uh, you know, keep in mind, we weren't, we weren't the ones who asked for the whole trophy generation uh, mentality. That was... That was forced upon us by the cultural uh, Marxists, um, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. They were the ones who came up with this whole thing of everyone gets a trophy and, uh, you know, no one can be mean to each other and everyone ha has to get along. and You know, no one can hurt each other's feelings and, you know, Millennials didn't come up with that on our own. That was what was taught to us by the public school system for, you know, for the past 25, 30 years. And, you know, if, if you have parents like mine who, you know, showed me the other side of the fence when it came to political opinions and didn't put up with any of that, you know, politically correct uh, BS, then you'll find that that, you know, that uh, we actually turned out pretty well. And there's actually a big millennial backlash against the whole uh, PC culture and the, the trophy generation, especially with the current generation of kids, uh, which gives me a lot of hope. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I do think that there are certain issues that millennials have as a, as a generation. I think oftentimes the minority uh, gets overly representative uh, in the media. Like I said, the, uh, the Kardashian types and the catch-me-outside girls uh, get the negative... Uh, press and they get the spotlight, whereas the rest of us who are, you know, entrepreneurs and doing podcasts and actually trying to build brands for ourselves, you know, we have to we have to build our brands the hard way. But you know, we don't get instant recognition from the mainstream media, so we've kind of had to create our own counterculture. So. Uh, you know, now the reason I bring this whole thing up about, you know, millennial stereotypes and whatnot and kind of why I decided to, to dedicate a whole podcast to this, even though it's, you know, a significantly shortened one than usual is I've actually gotten emails about this and, uh, you know, I figured it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a while since I've answered some uh, emails from you guys, and uh, you know I'm going to be on vacation for the next few days, so I figured I would kind of take the opportunity to kind of answer this uh, mailbag question that I've gotten. So um, that's kind of my whole take on millennial st stereotypes. We'll
So this podcast isn't quite over yet. I covered millennials pretty well in the last few uh, minutes of this podcast. Now, baby boomers, not all of them, but a lot of baby boomers and conservative groups I've noticed tend to, um, you know, badmouth millennials as a whole. As I mentioned, the reason why I brought this topic up is because it's a common mailbag topic. But, you know, I guess baby boomers aren't exactly perfect either. You know, their generation has a lot of flaws. For one, uh, you know, a lot of baby boomers were responsible for the cultural, uh, you know, change in the 60s with the summer of free love and, uh, you know, the sexual revolution, which I think if you're a, a cultural libertarian like me, uh, did have some advantages uh, in terms of sexual freedom, but it took it to a bit of an extreme as well in terms of also dividing the nuclear family somewhat. That was a big con of the sexual revolution, I would say. And on top of that, uh, outside of that, the, uh, the academic, Demia of um, the counterculture in the 60s, the Bill Ayers types and, uh, you know, those types of crowds were the ones who uh, invaded academia, but not only that, they went further on to uh, embed themselves not only in academia at the university level, but also at the K-12 through level. Um, and this was why you saw so many uh, quote-unquote millennial snowflakes popping up. See, it's not necessarily their fault that they're snowflakes. They've been indoctrinated by the, uh, you know, by the counterculture, quote-unquote, uh, leftist radicals for the last 40 years. And so, you know, when these kids are presented the leftist viewpoint in school, uh, what else are they going to think? Clearly, they're going to think that, you know, cultural Marxism is good and that we all need to, uh, you know, stop uh, industrialization in order to save the planet. And uh, junk like that. Um... Not all is lost, though. Like I said, I think that many millennials like Milo and uh, myself, uh, although he's not necessarily a, a millennial, um, he's more of like a Gen uh, X kind of pre-millennial. Um, but the younger conservative movement seems to be the new counterculture, as we've discussed several times. And we are winning. We are building our own media and we are building our own counterculture. We are the new counterculture. But I think it's time for, uh, you know, baby boomer conservatives to recognize, and I think many of them are, that, you know, this is a new age of conservatism, that we're not exactly going to stand for the same old uh, 
you know, neocon ideas that were tried under the, the Bush administration. And also, I understand that, uh, you know, many conservatives love Reagan. Um, I admire Reagan to a point. Ronald Reagan, for many millennials, is more of a, uh, you know, because most of us were born either during the late 80s or during the 90s, the concept of Ronald Reagan is just that. It's a concept. He, he wasn't president when we, were, when we were alive. And the, the times we were, we're facing now are way different than, um, you know, when Reagan was president. There wasn't even the Internet. So, you know, when, when conservative, uh, you know, baby boomers like Jonah Goldberg complain about the mischievous, you know, youth of, you know, the Trumpian, right? Uh, I don't think conservatives like that necessarily understand uh, meme culture or anything of the sort. They, they don't understand how millennials um, operate, per se. And that really uh, worries boomers, I think. They don't, they don't know what... Conservative boomers really still don't know what to do with uh, conservative millennials, and it's a shame. Um, but those who have listened to this podcast, I think many of them are helpful. Uh, I know that Scott Jones, for one, is a big supporter of mine, and he's a boomer. I know, same with Scott Osborne and Michael Loftus. They're really good at helping the, uh, you know, the, the younger, the newer conservatives out. And, uh, you know, same with Gavin McGinnis and, you know, all, all those uh, other conservatives. Although McGinnis, is, to be fair, isn't a boomer. Sorry, Gav. I probably just pissed him off by saying that. But, um, no, there, there are some decent conservative, you know, baby boomers out there. But I guess my whole point in this, uh, you know, podcast is that not all... Millennials are lazy. Uh, not all of us are, you know, addicted to technology. And, uh, you know, we're, we embrace new ideas and all, and all these uh, quote-unquote millennial stereotypes that are perpetrated upon us are done so by design by the mainstream media. And so rather than bad-mouthing millennials on social media and on blog think pieces, uh, you know, come and talk to us. Don't just, you know, make arbitrary statements about us. So that's what I have to say on uh, that matter. And uh, that'll do it for this. Uh, that'll do it for this uh, podcast, I think. folks i want to thank you all very much for tuning into this episode of the whitfields report that'll do it for this episode and reminder this is an audio exclusive so if you like what you hear please uh give us a uh, nice review and rating on itunes and as always you can uh or i guess they're calling it apple podcast now 
And as always, you can uh, find us on Facebook at The Whitfield Report. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Whitfield Report. And I'm Sam Whitfield. You can follow me at SamW underscore NGC on Twitter. And you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel by searching Whitfield Report on YouTube. I do a live show every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, followed by the American Watchman podcast at 9. For more information on both those shows and more information about me, you can find my website at thesamwhitfield.com. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Whitfield Report.